Usually we uh, stand for the gospel lesson. This is, no, this, this is a, lo- a long gospel lesson. <laughs> I've been told that you can stay seated for this one. It, it, it comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 33 through 53. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has arisen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them and when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do you doubt rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you have. When he said, said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe... Yet because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out into the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. (laughs) Well, you already are. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. And God, I pray now that I'd be out of the way, that Jesus, you'd be seen. And what is said and done would bring you glory, we ask in your name. Amen. Well, this morning we conclude our series on following the path of Jesus according to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be looking at knowing what you're leaving behind. Um, And as I think back over my family... um, I was blessed that I got to know both of my grandparents, and both my grandparents uh, were part of churches, and and so that was a great part of my history. Uh, My grandparents on my east side uh, that grew up where I was born and grew up uh, in Burdette, um, they they lived there, and I got to know them really well. And then my other grandparents, the Armbrusters, they lived up in the Ellis area, and so I got to know them as well. But um, and, and they went to the Lutheran church, um, and the, my, the Reese side, they went to the Methodist church. And because there wasn't a Lutheran church in town, we went Methodist. So maybe it works that way for you as well, as you were getting married and those kind of things. But I just want to account briefly a little bit about kind of my Reese grandparents. My, my grandmother was born in 1903. 
And uh, she grew up just down the road from us on another farm, from our family farm. And when she was young, she, they went to church out in the country, and, and she came to faith in Christ and was baptized in a stock tank, which was, again, just down the road. And whenever my dad would take out and we'd go check cattle and we'd drive by that, my dad would remind me that that's where my grandmother was baptized in a stock tank out there in the middle of that pasture. And, uh, and later, my grandfather came um, on a harvest crew um, he met my grandma, they got married, and after they had been married a little while, they got connected into the Methodist church in Burdett. And so they became very active members of that congregation, and they raised their children in that church, and my cousins went to that church, and, and, and now I still have their kids going to that church. Maybe some of you here in Aldersgate can relate as I listen to the genealogy tree that's represented here by some of your families. And... and you know, when I was a little kid, it was really impactful that my grandparents always kind of set up on the third row, kind of up toward the front, and then all of the rest of us kind of set in the back because we were all little and noisy, and so we kind of stayed back there. Um, but that was a powerful testimony. Um, but in 1970, uh, when I was still relatively young, um, my grandparents were in a serious car accident. Um, they were going, my grandfather and grandmother had gone to Great Bend where they were getting medication. They had to pick up a prescript before they were going on a trip. And it happened to be kind of a snowy kind of day and there was apparently some ice and a semi hit it and it spun, it hit another car and that car hit my grandparents' car. Um, and they weren't sure my grandmother was going to live. My grandfather survived, um, but she did. However, she never walked again without the use of a walker after that. It was a very uh, hard season of recovery and coming back. Um, and I watched as my grandmother um, came back from that. And on Sundays, after she was able to get back mobile again, that each Sunday that she would get her walker, my grandfather would help her, and they'd get out the steps out of their home. He would load her in the car. They would get in the car, go up to the church, and in the church where I grew up, like maybe many of our older congregation or buildings, um, there were multiple steps that she had to navigate with her walker to get in because there wasn't an elevator. And that had a, it was not an easy task. There was a lot of pain involved. And, and then she would come and they would sit in their pew. Um, and then when the service was over, they would do that again and in reverse. Um, and I watched as um, then times when she couldn't navigate the steps because she just wasn't able, that my uncles would allow her, put her in a chair, and they would lift her into the sanctuary to be part of worship. And whenever I'd go, um, be, even, even though my grandmother had some, some challenges, my parents still, you know, we'd go stay with my grandmother, like my parents were going to go do something, or it was after basketball practice, we'd go hang out there in the evenings, and whenever I went, the one thing I can tell you about my grandparents, I always could count on, is that if we were there at supper time, we were going to read the upper room and we were going to have prayer together. It was just part of our, our tradition. And after worship, we would all gather at my grandparents' uh, church or home. I mean, that was just part of it. But that story of my grandparents planted incredible seeds for me and my own faith, and not only mine, but other members of my family. And maybe you can testify to that in your own life. Well, today we're thinking about what do we want, knowing what we want to leave behind, I want to look at the gospel this morning according to Jesus. Now, when we think about leaving behind in our world today, oftentimes we think about financial resources and we think about possessions. 
What am I going to leave behind people? But when we look at the story of Jesus, Jesus, I think, had a bigger picture of what he wanted to leave behind. And he modeled some things for us, and I just want to look at those this morning. Now, the first thing I believe that Jesus modeled, of course, is what we often do, is physical provision for those under his care. Um, When we see Jesus, he was very in tune that when he came into the world, that he wanted to care for those that were brought around him. So we see the story, right, when Jesus is uh, gathered, he has like 3,000 people there, and he's been preaching a really long time. So anytime you complain about us preachers here at Aldersgate going long, just remember Jesus went longer, a lot longer. In fact, to such a extent that he said, hey, if we don't feed these people, they're going to pass out on the way home because they've gone so long without food. All right. Um, so anyway, and he, remember, he multiplied the, the loaves and the fishes and fed them. And when he met people who had physical ailments in his path, he ministered unto them. So he did care for the people under his care. But when he thinks about leaving behind, those he was leaving behind, if you remember then on the cross in the Gospel of John, when Jesus is up on the cross, that his mother, remember, is down at the foot of the cross. Now, I cannot imagine what that was like for his mother to watch her son that all he wanted to do was love on people and be the best for people and to see people whip him, curse at him, and then eventually put him up on a cross. That had to be horrific. I can't imagine what she was experiencing and what he saw her experiencing in those final moments. But we hear from Jesus that Jesus could, you know, he had every reason to to not pay any attention to what else was going on. He was in a lot of pain. But we see the words that he looked down there and he saw his mom and he said, Mom, or mother, woman, behold your son. She was standing next to one of his disciples, John. And she says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And what Jesus was doing, because this was his role as the oldest adult male in his family, his role was to take care of his mother when he was no longer going to be around. Now, Jesus had some half-brothers, and we don't know why they aren't there at that moment. Maybe it's because they still didn't like Jesus so much, because you remember there were some things they really weren't sure he was really the Son of God, so maybe there was a little bit of that, and later on we know they do um, come to believe and become leaders in the church, but at that point, maybe that was it. For whatever reason, they hadn't been present at the crucifixion, but Jesus wanted to make sure his mom was taken care of. And so he looked out after her physical needs to make sure someone was going to be paying attention to her. And so we know that leaving what we leave behind is important, that we leave behind our, our, like our wills and we leave behind insurance policies. We do our best to take care of the people that we oversee and to entrust. I mean, I think that is part of our human responsibility. I think even Jesus would model that for us, which we probably get pretty well. Now, the second thing I think Jesus left behind that he shows us is really important is a good testimony. Now, I want you to think about the word testimony for a moment. This is really our story of how God has intersected with our lives. So think about your testimony. How have you seen God intersect with your life? And Jesus left a testimony to those behind this. Now, Jesus was always focused, as we've been learning and talking about, on glorifying the Father. That was always his focal point when he came into the world. I'm here to glorify my dad. I mean, that's to live out for God. That, that's what I'm here about. And Jesus did that in all of his ordinary days. 
okay? Sometimes we think about Jesus and we think we have a super spiritual idea of Jesus. Jesus was also human, right? So when he came, he got up in the morning and he washed or took a shower or whatever was cool at the time. He ate his breakfast. He drank his cup of coffee. He read the morning news. I mean, whatever he did that was normal, did his chores. Jesus had ordinary days just like you and I. But when he stepped into the day, his focus was, I want to live it in such a way that glorifies my Father in heaven, and I'm paying attention to where is the Holy Spirit prompting me in this day to interact with others. And we know that Jesus' mission, when he stepped out into his ordinary day, was always, God, I've come to seek and save those who are lost, those who are far from you or disconnected from you. How do I help them know that you love them, that you have come for them, that you want to connect with them. And so Jesus' eyes were always on the Father. He was always paying attention to the people around him and how he was living out that mission with his words, his actions. His... And, and so as we look at the gospel text that was read this morning, I want you just to see this testimony. Because what we find is it's, it's written by the gospel of Luke. It's written on the day that Jesus had rose from the dead. Okay? And so Jesus rises, and he appears to Simon. Now, Simon uh, was still wrestling, do I really believe it? Do I really not? Is he really here? Is he really not? I mean, it was just not ordinary. I mean, has many of you encountered somebody who has risen from the dead? I mean, if you did, I got a feeling you wouldn't be hanging around in the room. We'd be like, whoa, I'm out of here, right? And so Jesus shows up, and Simon encounters him, and then we find that some of the women encounter Jesus. And then we find that he meets two men, or anyway, two persons walking on the road to Emmaus. And then they go back to Jerusalem, and then Jesus pops in on their party that's happening in Jerusalem too, with the disciples. And all of a sudden, and they're, they're really freaking out here, and the doors are locked so they can't go anywhere, and they're stuck with this, is this real, is this not? And Jesus calms them by taking some fish and he eats it, right? To say, I'm not a ghost. Now he does something that's really important after that. Because they're still wrestling with this. And Jesus, it says that Jesus then went and he said, Now you see, I've, I'm telling you, I rose from the dead. I'm here physically. And he went back and he shared with them from the gospel or from the teachings of Moses. He said, Moses... Here's the prophecies he had about the Messiah that's going to come, and here's how he fulfilled them. And then he went to David in the Psalms, and he said, and here's the prophecies God made through David about the Messiah, and here's how I fulfilled them. And he goes to the prophets and does the same thing. And it says that their minds, their hearts were opened, that the Holy Spirit opened them up to actually believe, and they accepted that he was really the Son of God. And then he led them out on a hill and they ascended. So what we see is this testimony that Jesus opened up into them as he was living out his testimony through the scriptures. He says, now you know this is really true. And it awakened faith in them. See, our testimony, our words, our actions allow others to experience God's work in and through us. But more importantly, it allows the Holy Spirit to awaken faith in them. When they see our story or hear our story it allows the holy spirit to speak into that and open people's minds and hearts to the reality of christ or god in our midst 
You know, recently we had, um, through one of our ministries here at Aldersgate, um, that's done out in the community, we had an individual who experienced some of our workers and saw Jesus in them in such a way that that person reached back in, reached back out to our staff. And they were going through a rough patch in life and they were disconnected from any church or not even sure where their faith is. But they reached out to say, hey, could we be ministered to by you? I don't know what's going on for them, but I do believe it's awakening a reality that God cares about them and loves them and wants to be in relationship with them too. So I want you to think about for just a minute, who are the people whose testimony and words or actions have allowed God's Holy Spirit to help open your eyes to Jesus? Just think back over your life. Who have been those people that God has brought across your path that helped awaken you that Jesus was really real? Or they've lived in such a way that it's allowed you to see that Jesus is really real and God has used them to deepen your own relationship with God. See, I really think, you know, when we get to the end of life, you know, we tend to go, you know, I don't know if God lets us sit in on our funerals or not. I don't care if I'm there or not. Personally, I think I'll just probably hang out somewhere else. But what I would say is, you know, a lot of times when we have our funeral, you know, we, we think about what we're going to say about people. And we say the nice things and the things they did, right? And those are all really good. But I hope for all of us, that whenever we're at that moment, that not only are the good things said about us, but that they can somehow, the, the story of how Jesus affected our life and helped and was what caused us to be who we were, gets told in that story. That people see to see it wasn't just about them, it was about God's Spirit moving through the individual. And that it was doing great things because God wants to do that through all of our lives, right? That we live that. And so I'd encourage you, if you haven't told your story, tell it to somebody in your family. I think of this story in, um, it's in Acts chapter 9. And if you remember, after Jesus has gone back to heaven, that the disciples go out into the world and begin talking about Jesus. Well, one of the stories, and it's Luke chapter 9, we find Peter has gone to a town called Joppa. And when he gets to Joppa, there he hears about a woman named Tabitha, and Tabitha has died. Now, there's not a lot told to us about Tabitha, except for she lived in Joppa, and then it says she was a disciple, and then it tells some of the good things she did. But ultimately, it starts out a disciple that the people knew she was a follower of Jesus. And it was because she was a follower of Jesus that it says she was serving the poor and she was making clothes for the widows and helping them out. And when she died, they were just traumatized and they showed Peter all of these things that she had done and told these wonderful stories. And Peter then prays for her and she's revived, but brought back to life. But what is beautiful about it, it was the testimony that was through her life. Now, I think the final thing that I would lift up today that Jesus leaves behind is not just physical provision for those under his care and not just a great testimony, but connecting others under his care ultimately with God. You know, when we think about, we hear in Jesus' account, he's praying at one point in John chapter 17 to his father, and when he's praying, Jesus says, I have lost none that you entrusted to me except for the one that was designated to betray. 
what he was talking about is the disciples. He said, you gave me these people to pour my life into it, and I poured my life into them and, and sowed seeds in them, and they have had faith awakened in them. And, and he says, I've done what you've told me to do. That Jesus always saw his ultimate mission for, was to seek and save lost people, but also to be a witness of the love and the grace of God. And, and as Jesus lived passionately in relationship with his Father, that it spread into his disciples. In the gospel we read tonight, or today, Jesus, after he um, is, ascends into heaven, you know, the people now have finally got it. They said, you are the Messiah, we believe it. We've, we've got it. Our hearts have been awakened. And, it, you know, and Jesus goes back into heaven, and the, the guys and gals could have been really traumatized and said, Oh man, Jesus is gone. What are we going to do? We don't have any power. Can't do anything, right? But instead, what we see happens is they go back and they hang out in the temple and it says they're praising God and they're celebrating. They were getting happy in church. Has anybody ever seen anybody get a little excited in church? It's okay. Because these guys were doing it, right? They were back and, and they were excited and they were worshiping in the temple. And people are going, what's, what's gotten there? What joy juice did they get into? And then, if you think a few weeks later, God sends the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, these people have been seeing these guys and gals hanging out in the temple. And now when the Holy Spirit comes and they start acting even weirder, they start speaking in tongues, which that's a whole other sermon. But it says that the people saw it and wanted to know what was going on with these folk. And the Holy Spirit fell on them and the 3,000 people came to faith. It was because they had had this awakened in their heart. They were excited and they were sharing it out. They, were, they saw their life was to be a witness, to share this good news that God had passed to them and they were now passing it on to those around them. I want us to think for a moment, every one of us here or listening online most likely has embraced a, G a relationship with Jesus because of someone or a group of people in your life. Most of us didn't get a revelation of Jesus on an island by ourselves. Most of the time, it was passed down through somebody or other people in our life and God used them to awaken faith in us. And I want us to think Right now, who are the people God has entrusted to our care? How is God using us to be ambassadors to help that get awakened in people? And, 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 and when we do what's beautiful, you think about those people that affected you, you become part of their legacy. And, and, you become, and they become a part of yours. And we get to pass that legacy on and on and on. It's a wonderful thing about being part of it. As we live our lives into God... And we're praising God for what He's done and who He is. And we let the Holy Spirit kind of nudge us of where we're supposed to, who we're supposed to be touching and affecting God's calling us to speak into or serve. We become part of their story. Part of what's being left behind in powerful ways. So, as we remain aware of God's Holy Spirit wanting to work and speak in and through us, who is this week thinking about, right now, who's God wanting you to speak a word of encouragement to? Who right now is, just needs somebody to speak, and you speak words of encouragement, that you're giving actions of love or a witness, or that you're praying blessing over? 
You know, I think one of the most powerful things and tools we have in our disposals as followers of Jesus is blessing people. Um, I think specifically back to um, thinking about one of the things that I was, we found with our own children was, you know, praying for them at key moments. Maybe you've done this as well. You know, praying for our kids is, you know, the kids are going back to school. So we'd have a prayer for the kids. You lay hands, you pray on and say, hey, God, as they're going back, would you just let, you, let them feel your power and be with them? You know, that as our kids started to learn to drive, that's a great time to pray a blessing over your kid. Lord, watch over, protect them. We'd take family trips, you know, we'd, get, we'd have a family prayer and say, okay, we're going to pray that God's going with us and helping us with this. I found many nights in my, in my kids' rooms when they were sleeping as small children, just going in the room and saying, God, I don't know what in the heck I'm doing. Lord, please help our kids grow to know you and loving you. I mean, I, I think those are powerful ways. Grandparents, what an incredible opportunity. If you lay hands on your grandkids and you just pray all the good things God wants to do in their lives over them and they hear that, you are leaving an incredible legacy. Teachers who are going back to school, Walking the classroom when your kids aren't there through the chairs and envisioning them and praying that God will meet them wherever they're finding themselves in life. Or employers, when you have employees that aren't there, you can walk their cubicles and just <laughs> to where it's allowed and just be praying, God, meet these folk. Awaken them to you, your love for them and desire to be in relationship. We get an incredible opportunity, don't we, folks? God has called us to plant things into people that we may not even know we've planted by just trying to be faithful in the moment-to-moment ordinary days of who are those God's put into our lives, how are we caring for them at the moment, who are those that God has given us a longer extension of caring for, and how are we sowing into them ways that allows them to experience the love, the grace, and the restoration that God wants to bring into hearts and lives. This is a great opportunity, wonderful thing we get to do. And I just pray that we might all continue to keep our minds set on how we continue to leave behind a great legacy for those in our path in the years to come.